Hello and welcome back to another episode of Book Dragons. This week we're going to be talking about Akamoth, better known as A Court of Mist and Fury from Sarah J. Maas. Ooh, the second book. Yes, our favorite. <laughs> the best. Okay, so we're going to be discussing the entire book this time instead of, uh, like, some other Aesthetic episodes parents. we have that we have. We're going to be reviewing have. the book, going over some of the major plot points, stuff like that. Character development instead of going yeah. over aesthetics or writing prompts. A book talk in a nutshell. Yep. It's a book talk. Yep. Definitely. Okay. So who goes it? My first thing that I have set up, I guess, to talk about this episode, is a summary of the entire book. Yeah, there's a lot. The beginning of the book, you just get back from under the mountain. And Tamlin and Feyre relationship goals at the moment, until you get, like, three chapters into the book. Yeah. Uh, Until, no, the first, actually, the, the, the prologue to the book is... It's not even three chapters to the pro because the prologue to the book is Farah having a nightmare about her being trapped underneath. She wakes up, she goes to the toilet to vomit up her guts, you and Tamlin. Yes, but Tamlin does not even stir. This arises mm-hmm. some foreshadowing. Yeah, because like later on, Ryzen like holds her hand. Not now. So in this, oh no, book. We get more introduced into a couple of new characters as well. Yes. We get introduced to more, short for more again. We get introduced to Amran. Cassian. Asriel. Yeah. And we get more character development for Nesta and Elaine. Yes. Who are the sisters of Feyre. Who is yes. the main character. So, after we come back to the spring court, we realize something's wrong with this whole relationship. And it really starts when Eanthe comes into the photo. Why oh, yeah. when you start realizing everything? Yes. The high priestess. They're using Eanthe. Yeah, Eanthe is the high priestess. And basically, Tamlin keeps going out on all these missions to try to rebuild his court after the fall of Amarantha. And he Amarantha. uses... You can... It, technically, it's pronounced Amarantha. But... And... So... You can really see that Tamlin and Lucian are using Iente as kind of this distraction for Feyre. Except Iente's cruel. Yes. For example... Oh, like the wedding. Yeah, for okay, example... So, Feyre has a PTSD trigger with the color red. Because, because of, blood. of blood. From under the mountain. Mm-hmm. Especially Amarantha's dresses. Yeah. And so, when they were playing the wedding, Iente was set as the wedding planner from... Tamlin, and Feyre's one request for was, her wedding was, was no, no red, red roses. Yes, no red roses. No red anywhere. And what did Iente do? Red roses as Everywhere. Soon- Everywhere. Well, it was red and white, but, like, Feyre red roses. white, but she put in the red already knowing the request, so that it's still an annoying, yes. toxic move. And so, under the mountain, she... It- Thera got really injured fighting that war- worm. The Middengard worm. Yeah. And so she made a deal on Night Court 
bargain yes. with Rysand. The High Lord of the Night Court. That when they get out, whenever he wanted, he could start taking her and it would be a week. Uh, a week weeks. of every month. month. Oh, yeah, a week. From whenever he started it for until the bargain's broken. Mm-hmm. Or until he wants it gone. Until he releases her from the bargain. Basically, she has a tattoo on her right arm now. Uh-huh. Because of the bargain. It gives them kind of a psychic link, almost. Yes. Well, that's what we think it is. Until later on. And so, well, no, her? it's a summary. It goes in chronological order. I can hint to things. And so, when we are at the wedding, Feyre, having major panic attacks because of all of the red and she's being worried because Tamlin is not treating her like a mate at all. Nope. Not even like a wife. She starts like yelling for help in her mind. Uh-huh. And then Rysand poofs out of nowhere and goes, I'm enacting our bargain now. Yes! And takes her. Yes. And at this point Tam- Tamlin's furious but is scared because she was about to get married. And it's not like yeah. she didn't want to get married. She was just Having a panic attack. Yeah. And also, Rysand, uh, before this point, has really been treated as such a horrible character. And it was said that his own court was, uh, that then uh, Under the Mountain was modeled after his own court. And it was kind of like child's work compared to his court. So, Feyre was nervous that going to his court would bring back all those horrible memories from Under the Mountain. Yes. Except whenever she gets there... No, she stays in the like. Top she stays in the Moonstone She's... Palace. Yeah, yeah. And when she gets there, she realizes it's not so bad. She realizes it's beautiful at night. First yeah. thing she notices. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she gets into the night court, and she is not having it with Rysand. And it's hysterical. Yes, and in a um, battle of. Uh, wits. wits, she decides to throw her shoe she, at the most powerful, powerful high lord in all existence. Throw her shoe, ladies and gentlemen. Throw the shoe. And he catches it. He disintegrates. He disintegrates. He, no, it hits him on the back of the head. And then she picks up her other shoe and throws it at him. And he just casters it and mists it away. And basically, it's like this power that he has where it disintegrates anything that uh, disintegrates anything that he touches into like this. That he wants into. Yeah, into, like, this sparkly dust. Yes. Yes, sparkly dust. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And so... So, he, she goes upstairs. She has this nice bedroom prepared for her. And she realizes that she's not a prisoner here. And it's just... Shockingly. I know, right? Like, oh my god, this guy isn't bad? What? <laughs> uh-huh. So, as we move on through the week with rice and things get a little better a little bit yeah but when she, she goes more. yeah she meets more for the first time mm-hmm. but when we go back to the spring court that's kind of where we relapse into what we realize is a bad relationship after seeing like how fun and how like much better rice like the little glimpse of rice and when we go back to Tamlin, you, it kind of like hits you like a big, big fat smack in the face about how the bad the relationship is. Yeah. And first, let me point out then when Feyre, these past couple months, has not been able to keep her food down. She's not retaining any nutrients. So she's and Rysen, yeah, Rysen notices this right away. He starts like making her eat these me- meals, and she goes back to the spring court with like a little bit of a glow, not much, 
but this like a little bit of shimmer like she's starting to regain like a little bit of color Mm -hmm. like herself and then yeah and then over the course of her being at the spring court for the next three weeks for the next three weeks after the next month when rysand invokes the bargain again you realize that the clothes that were left for her in the night court which were her clothes previously no longer fit by in she is way too thin yes he freaks out he gets really mad at tamlin and storms out with her so we realize i don't remember was it akotar that tamlin and rice hands family hate each other with a burning passion and this goes all the way back to their parents because though we don't understand why or the we don't hear the full story until a couple books later no we we hear it by the end of this oh sorry the Mm -hmm. end of this book (laughs) yeah so basically they have a family feud uh they were friends their parents didn't like this because they knew they were both powerful more powerful than their parents and that they were going to try to overthrow them and it just ended up in both their families deciding to kill each other until only rice and and tamlin were left yep we find out uh what happened between tamlin and rice and's family in chapter 54. Mm, not chapter 54. It's when they're uh, in the mountains practicing training in the Illyrian mountains before they go to the... Well, no. Yes. Well, you find about the specific thing, but you find out about Rysam's story in chapter 54. No, it's not chapter 54. Yeah, because he arrives, and then while she's preparing the soup, he tells his story. But not one about Tamlin. Yeah, his side I'm of the story. I'm saying his story. We don't find out about... I don't feel, I don't get why you needed to insert that there, but okay. Okay, and so, basically, Tamlin's is, like, since we figured out that Tamlin never actually loved her. Yeah. Um. Well, I mean, he thinks he loves her, but we know it's really, like, some strange obsession or, like, possessive thing. It's not love. It's not love how love should be. Yeah. Yeah, so he interrogates Sarah, as soon as she gets back. Like, wants to know everything about the Night Court. Mm-hmm. And you can really just start to see Feyre really give up her hope for life. Yeah, and, like, you see the control that he has over this relationship. But, like, if you think about it, if presumably someone who is evil kidnapped your fiancé for a week, your first response should be, are you okay? And he immediately goes into interrogating her for um information information on the night court not even asking her how she is i know he is the first thing she gets back the first thing he goes is we need you in the next room we need you to give us anything that you found out about the night court not even oh my darling soon-to-be wife are you okay do not let tamlin say darling yes my dear soon-to-be wife Yes. My human pet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's very, it's just over the next couple visits, you realize how toxic that relationship is. Feyre eventually ends up having a horrible, horrible panic attack. See, like, you don't notice the difference, like, how, like, until you spend more time in the night court, and then you're like, oh. You don't realize it's bad until you see something good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so here's something that's been going on that we haven't talked about. 
Feyre has just saved Tamlin under the mountain, and she has just done all these challenges and survived, right? And then, well, she and, died and then got well, brought yeah, back to life. Yeah, you know what I meant. But now, Tamlin thinks of her as weak and unable to defend herself. Wait, what? Who is the person who was doing nothing and that the one chance where they could escape decided to try and, you know, go at it with her? Um, so, he feels like he needs to protect her. She's not allowed outside of the lawns without Lucian. And this one night, she just has enough of it. And he's going on a mission to try and rebuild the spring court from Amarantha's rule. And he, she, he, said, she says, I want to go with you. And he locks her in the house. He uses his magic to seal up all the doors and windows so that she can't physically or magically in any sense, because she hasn't developed her powers yet, break out. Yeah. This is a couple, what, months after? We've seen Rice yeah. Hand quite a bit by this point. Uh, I think three times. That three she's or four to- times. And so the relationship between them is getting better. Yeah. At this point, I believe, is this when she started writing? Yeah. Yeah. So basically, Farah, the way she was brought up in the human world, doesn't write or read. She didn't... Uh, so, her family story is, when she was young, her father was a very wealthy merchant who happened to gamble incor- uh, incorrectly on a lot of ships, and they lost their family fortune. And so, at a young age, she was well, pulled... gamble incorrectly. The ships sunk. Yeah, the ships. Yeah, so but he gambled his money on those ships. Well, yeah. I guess. Uh-huh. And so, they lost their entire fortune, and she was and her family was forced into poverty after their mother died, and their father was beaten to the point where he couldn't work. So, Feyre was, uh, because nobody else would do anything, Feyre had to provide for her family. And she became a hunter, and that's why, mm-hmm. that's the whole reason she was brought back into, yeah. uh, and so, that's the whole reason she was the brought. Role. Yeah. But she never but, learned to read and write because she never, because when her family got pulled into poverty, she was only about, what, four? Yeah, she was really young. Yes. So, Rysand, while her time at the night court, Rysand learns this and has her write and learn to, she, he goes over the alphabet and then they learn to read. First sentences she reads and writes are variations of Rysand is the most beautiful high lord, Rysand is the most handsome high lord, Rysand is the greatest high lord. Yes. Sentences along these lines about 500 times. Yeah. He also teaches her mental blocking, though. And this is a form of protection from people called demon, uh, uh, demi, uh, demoni. Demitai. De- there's a T in it. No, I don't think there's a T. There's a T. Demitai. Demitai? Demitai. Demetai. Demetai. Yeah. A form of people called Demetai. And those are basically mind walkers. They can walk into your mind as if it were the threshold of any other building. And they can walk in there and basically take whatever they want without the proper, without you having the proper precautions. So he teaches her to shield her mind from people like him. And we learn later that Feyre gets this ability when she became High Lady. I mean, or when she became became Faye. Yes, because basically what happened is that... Well, they already know this stuff. They were, yeah. They read if the first you, book. Hopefully you read the first two Did books Did we give already. a spoiler warning? No, we no. didn't give a spoiler warning. Well, this is your spoiler warning. Well, we said it was a book talk. Yeah, so BTW, there are going to be some spoilers in here. So if you have not read Akomoth or Akotar... 
or Talk a war bro have you mentioned have okay, this conversation she learns she's Mason's mate in Akamath. I know, but we talk about things that segue into Akamath. Yeah. Okay, so if you have not read the trilogy, go and read the trilogy. Also, it's now five books, so it's not really a trilogy. Well, it was never really a trilogy. There was Akko... Akko... Uh, That's a novella. It doesn't count. It's a novella, but it, like, continues on the story and sets us up for Akko Sip. doesn't count, though. Okay, kind of true, though. Okay, but... So we learned that she learns to write. And so at this point, after she starts writing, we get this whole meltdown scene in the spring court. This is right after the windows and doors and she's magically stuck inside the house. Sorry about the long deviation. So Feyre has this huge, huge panic attack and gets developed into darkness. Like, physical darkness covers her, and she's... See, this is her magic that she's just now unleashed, and it was slowly driving her crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And so, who hears this? Rysand. But since... Through their bargain. Through their bargain. But since he can't come into the Spring Court because of the feud with him and Tamlin... And it's not his week. More has to come and get her. And more... It gets her out. Yeah. And they sneak through these caves that get her back to the night court. Yep. And so, Rysand, through more, gets her out, brings her back to the night court, and she basically lays there for a, a, a good day, unconscious, because she was knocked out by the force of her powers being unleashed. Yeah. Yeah. And so when she wakes up, she realizes she's not in Spring Court. She's in the Moonstone Palace in the Night Court. And Rysand is there in a chair watching her sleep like a creep. (laughs) (laughs) Is it like a creep or is it like someone who's worried about you in the bedside of a hospital? There's two ways to look at it. I think it's both. Let's be honest. A little bit of a creep. (laughs) From his point of view, it wouldn't be creepy. From her point point of view, view, it's the hospital. From her point of view, it's the creep. Yep. And so they soon make a bargain that... Not a bargain. Not another bargain. Okay, not a bargain, but a deal that she won't say anything when she take he takes her to Valeris. Yeah, okay, so basically he says he has to leave to go somewhere, and she says, do not leave me alone. And he goes, well, if I take you with me, you can never repeat anything you say, no matter your loyalty to Tamlin. And she goes, I have no loyalty to Tamlin anymore, and I'm never going back to the Spring Court. Basically. And so it's a secret city in the night court that no one knows about because it's supposed to be a huge court that's ruthless and cruel. It's supposed to be the evil court. Mm -hmm. That's the court of nightmares and then the court of dreams is where the actual night court is. Yeah. But you see, and this city pretty much defies their whole reputation that they've built for themselves. So it's put under these wards or force fields. And whoever lives there, they either don't leave or they are sworn to secrecy. For They're their spelled. Life. Basically, the spell that the ancient High Lord put on this city says that no one who goes outside of, like, who, who anyone who dwells in the city or anyone who trades uh, within this city isn't physically allowed to spill their secrets. And it's magic binding them to this. So. And you can't see the city from outside. Yeah. You have to be inside its barriers. And if you try to walk up to the barriers without being invited in, you will find yourself wanting to walk in the other direction. Let's just put it nicely. <laughs> so, 
when he takes her to Valeris, I think Farrah's mindset just completely changes about the Night Court. And she yeah. falls in love with her this place. Her worldview is shattered. And she she loves Valeris. Yes. It's the city of artists. And they have this thing called the Rainbow Road. Basically, it's a whole artist quarter. It's where not they're... the Mario Kart one. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's, not the, it's not the Rainbow Road in Mario Kart. And so... She, it's, basically, she falls in love because she herself is an artist. However, at this moment in time, she hasn't painted in a very long time because of all the darkness that lives inside of her. She feels like if she decided to paint, the only thing that would come out on that canvas would be darkness. Not to mention the whole under the mountain for a couple months. Yeah. And, you know, Lots. seeing the color red gives her uh, PTSD. So... As we advance through the relationship with Rysand and Thera, as they grow closer, as she's accepted into Valeris, we realize Tamlin is horrible. Mm-hmm. And we all fall in love with Rysand. Yes. And basically, when Favor gets to the Night Court, she meets Rysand's inner circle. This is comprised of six people. Right, it's composed of Rysand, his two best friends, uh, Asriel and Cassian. Who his, are the generals. And who are the general and the spy master. Spy master is Asriel because he's a shadow singer. Which basically means he, he, like, the shadows can speak to him. And he can, like, speak to the shadows. And he can go in the shadows. Yes. yes. And Cassian is a, gen- a war general. Uh-huh. And so these three are, they're Ilrians, which is a breed of fae. Well, Rysand's half Ilrian. Which is a, be- a breed of fae that have wings from the Ilrian Mountains in the d- Night Court. So, the next two people on the court are Armin. Yes, Amran. Amran. Amran, who was, like, this ancient creature. She's not really fae, but you really don't know what she is. And then Moore, who was Rysan's cousin, who was abused in the Night Court. And so, Rysan... Not abused in the... Well, she was abused She by was her abused father. by her father in the Court of Nightmares. And then also... Which abused. is the sector of the Night Court Where, that the whole uh, world believes to be the entire Night Court. That was ba- that was under... The mountain was based off of. And yes. then, also, after abused by her father... She was also... The Autumn Court didn't yeah. do her any favors. Yeah. yeah. And so... She meets these people, and she sees all, like, the joy and the happiness they have. And so she decides to kind of, like, put herself back together. And so she trains with Cassian, who is the general. She trains with him to learn how to fight. Asriel to fly. She trains with Asriel, not until Akko, uh, yeah. Not Ma. Not until the war. War. Akko war. Yeah. Also, we forgot to mention, so... Moore and Armin are Rysand's second and first, or first and second in command? No, second, second and, and third. third. So Armin and Armin, Amran is his second in command, and Moore is his third in command. And this is a really interesting dynamic when you first hear about it, because it kind of gives you the mindset of, oh, so he's not some power-hungry person. Yeah, and one of the things that Feyre realizes is that he could have chosen either, like, Cassian or Asriel, who he is most definitely more close to because they are his best friends and almost his brothers, in a sense. But he chose Amran to be his second and more to be his third. Because he knew that they would be the best leaders, and he knew that Cassian and Asriel's skills lied elsewhere. 
Yeah. They're still important, and they still help lead, but they're not the second and third in command. Yeah. And so she also kind of realizes that he treats his the females in his life so much better, and it's almost like a, a mind-opening, an eye-opening. Because his mother was his real a really prominent figure, figure in his childhood. Also, uh-huh. his sister and he were really close. Yeah. So his mother and his sister played big parts in his life, and he reflects that on to the women in his life now. So, after we see a relationship develop, and they're, like, a thing, but, like... Not really a thing, but, but they're like, definitely a thing. Like, like, it's not official, but it's but official it's, to all of the fans. Yes. Wait, who? The fans. Rysand and Vera? Yes. Oh, well, it's official to all the fans until it becomes official. Yes. And so, basically, you start to see Bryson and Feyre have always kind of had this, like, um, love-hate banter going on. You know, they, are, they trade snide remarks, and it's just an overall, you know, it, you, you enjoy every second that you see of them together. And then you start to realize this isn't just, like, a witty banter anymore. Like, there are actually, like, feelings underneath this. And you start to see those develop. And then about, what is it? Three quarters through the book, yeah. you realize, oh crap, they're mates. Wait, wait, wait. So we realize that they're mates from this thing called the Surreal? The Surreal, which is basically like an all-seeing creature that knows everything. It's basically your most, your friend that is the most obsessed with drama and tea. <laughs> yes. Okay, so imagine, like, the grossest creature possible, like, skindly. It looks like a Dementor, but it, like, walks around. Yeah, it looks like a Dementor with legs. And it's, like, white, though. It's, like, white. Yes. It's, uh, it's like, bony. white and bony. And then imagine your best, your most drama-loving, um, you know, best friend. Mixed who just together. Lives for the tea. Mixed. This is the surreal embodiment. <laughs> yes. And so, we've been talking a lot about character development. Yes. So, let's talk about the plot points, actually. So, during all this character development in time, after Farrah went to the Night Corps and has been staying there, we realize there might be a war on their hands. There's this little island, it's not really little, but there's this coastal island off the shore of Priathan. It's called Highburn. And it's still a kingdom that's set in really old ways. Back to the times when humans were slaves to the Fae. And so, Highburn, even after the treaty, this treaty made sure that no Fae country could have humans as slaves. Even though Highburn still really wants this to happen. And it wants to punish the Fae of Priathan for making them sign this treaty because they believe that humans as slaves were their right, basically. Yeah. And so they, in this world, so think of God. When you think of God, you think this all-powerful being that created the universe, right? Yeah. Well, in this book, God is represented by right. the mother and a cauldron. A cauldron. Which is a big bathtub. Yes. The big bathtub birthed the world. <laughs> <laughs> So, in this bathtub that birthed the world, they decided the cauldron was way too powerful, the old fae, 
And so they broke the cauldron into four pieces, which is the cauldron's body and then its three legs, the thingies that it stands on. And you on. need it all together. And so we, re we learned that Hybern has been trying to find all of the pieces to put them together. Yes. To have a big war with the humans and Priathan. And basically, if they got this cauldron, they would be unstoppable. And the, you know, uh, Priathan wouldn't be able to beat them in most measures. Yep. So, the reason Farah is finding the cereal is because she needs information. The cereal accidentally spills this whole mates thing. Yeah, so basically, they were in the woods. Rysan got shot down by some of Hybern's soldiers with poisonous ash arrows. Ash is deadly to... Uh, ash, yeah. Yeah, ash, ash, yeah, ash wood is deadly to... The Fae. Because they have faster healing powers. And they also have Feybane in them, which is poisonous to Fae as well, and it blocks their magic from healing them. Yes. And so he is bleeding out and poisoned, and so she finds him. She kills all the guards that were there to, like, keep him there, and she brings him to this cave, and the next day she goes out to find Surreal to get information on how to heal him, because her magic isn't strong enough to winnow them back to the uh, Orion camp, and he is, you know, knocked out, so he can't really do it himself. So she goes, the Surreal appears, and he's like, oh, favor, darling. You, you and your mate. <laughs> Yes, and, and she goes, what? she goes, I need to know how to heal, Rysand. And he goes, oh, oh there's this mate. purple flower by the river. Oh, no. She yeah. goes, you're the, some of your blood will heal him because you have the blood of uh, Helion, the Dawn, uh, who's the Dawn Court healer, inside your veins. She goes, okay. And the cereal goes, oh, also, if you want to speed your mate's healing, you need to find this purple flower that goes by the river. And she goes, goes, my no. mate! What? My oh. And he just looks at her and goes, oh, you didn't know. <laughs> Oopsie doopsie. And oh, he basically well. intentionally spilled the tea. But you know, like, he's the surreal, so he knows all things. So he knew she didn't know, but then she, he acted surprised. You know, the friend who loves the tea. Yes. yes. So after she finds out they have a little conversation, she realizes he's known this for a couple months now. And no, she, under the mountain. yeah, and she is mad. So she basically heals him, and then uses him and his newly healed state to winnow them back to the camp. Then she goes to more, and she's like, "I want you to take me as far away from this dude as possible." I'm upset. Yes, we're all upset at this point because we're rooting for them to be together, and so we're mad at Feyre for being mad at Rysan for wanting their feelings to progress naturally and not feel an obligation due to the mating bond. Yeah. And so, Moore takes her to this snowy winter cabin where she sits for, like, three days, painting, painting all the walls in the cabin, all the walls, the tables. Everything. Everything. And so, a couple of days later, it's the middle of the winter. Yeah, middle of winter, and, oh, Rysan's magic, Hybern placed uh, a tracking on Rysan's magic, so whenever he uses it, he they can pinpoint his location, and so he can't use it. So he has his wings, which technically aren't magic, yeah, um, and so he uses them to fly all the way to the cabin to search for Feyre. The thing is, now we learn about Rysan's tragic history, chapter yeah. 54. He arrives, sees the painted walls and stuff, the paint that's still on the table, and tries to make amends. Yes. 
And Feyre cooks him food. This is a huge symbol in the Fey world. Yes. See, when, uh, you know, it goes back to those olden times. When, when like, like, you have housewives and everything. Neanderthals and, like, bringing food was providing for your loved ones. And presenting food to your mate is a symbol that the mate accepts the mating bond. So Feyre accepts the mating bond without realizing it, but when and heats him up some soup, and when Rysand real tells her that she's kind of okay with it, yes, because they've been talking. So the she whole decides time. that he'll tell him, he'll tell her his life story, and at the end of it, she'll decide whether or not to she's okay with him the soup to give him the soup as a sign of her accepting the mating bond. Not an ultimatum at all. Long story <laughs> short. She ends up accepting, and chapter 55 is the acceptance of the mating bond. That's all you need to know. Chapter 55 holds a special place in every first reader's heart, and you need to experience it for yourself. We will not spoil chapter 55. Yes. So, chapter 56, they get back to the Illyrian camp, and stuff goes down. Yeah, so they have set up a whole entire plan to go to Highburn. Yes. No, you completely skipped over the fight in the mud. Oh. Oh yeah. Oh, so by when I okay. When so I, they're in this cabin. They're like, oh, we love each other. We're mates now. This is great. They spend the night there. Then they get back to the cabin with everybody else. The and Ilrian the mating bond. Yeah, the Ilrian camp where Moore and Cassian are waiting for them. And no, and Azriel because Azriel has to end up breaking it up. Yeah, and Azriel's also there. Uh. And so, what happens is basically when two fae are mated, there are, like, these instincts to, like, protect each other at all costs. And it makes them really on edge. So, Rysan gets back. Cassian is taunting. It makes the male extremely aggressive to any, like, topic relating to Regarding regarding their mate. And it makes the female... (laughs) It makes the female, like, completely, like... Really, um, salty. <laughs> yes. And so, and they're they getting... they really want to be by each other. Really yeah, they always want, to be, want to be next to each other. So they get there. Cassian notices that the mating bond has kicked in, and he starts taunting Rysand. <laughs> wow, he's extreme. He's the most powerful Fey High Lord to ever have lived, and he's taunting him while he's at his most aggressive state ever. This man has balls. <laughs> Smart decisions. And so Rysan and Cassian decide to go out in a brawl. And basically what we find out later is that... Rysan just runs at him. Yeah. And so basically what we know, we we learn this later, is that Cassian was doing this on purpose because he saw that Rice was so tense that he needed, he knew that if anything was going to get productive that day, Rysan needed to get out his aggression. Well, some of it. Yeah, some of it. That wasn't enough. Um, It was Starfall. Oh, we forgot about Starfall. I'm so sorry. Starfall's like seven chapters ago. Yeah, Star. Okay, so uh, rewind. This is totally in chronological order, Skylar. (laughs) Okay, Starfall is this huge holiday in the Night Court. Yeah, and so basically, it's this holiday where the spirits of uh, everybody. Uh, the spirits of a bunch of dead fae kind of float across the stock in what looks like shooting stars. And so, Rysan and Feyre, this becomes one of their big bonding moments. Yes, so they go out on a balcony, get covered in stardust, as they call it. 
Yes. And kiss. And it is, like, the scene where, like, they accept the relationship. That's blooming between them. Yeah, where they, it's both, it's acknowledged by both parties. Yes. And this is where Feyre really starts to believe that, like, you know. Life could get better. Yeah. She's, she, before this, she kind of knew, she kind of knew that she was falling for Rysand. However, she really didn't want this to happen because she felt it would be, like, even though she got out of Tamlin's control, she felt it would kind of dishonor him in a way for her to be falling in love only months after they had broken up. And Even she was going to be... It's truly yeah. deserved, I think. And she was going to be married to him. And Starfall is kind of the night when she accepts, like, I'm not going to feel sorry for wanting to be with Rysand. I'm not going to be sorry for wanting to be happy. Yes. And so she lets go of that old part of herself and starts to embrace that that is Rysand. And it's lovely. Yeah, they dance together, all is happy, and then, you know, everything goes down. And so now we're back to this whole Highburn business. And so they, uh, they get back from, you know, just being newly mated and... Uh, they have a night before they go to Highburn to try to destroy the cauldron. And the Highburn attacks them. Yes. Before, we should mention that before they left, uh, Feyre and Rysand got married, and also Feyre was appointed High Lady of the Night Court. This is all in secret, and this is discussed at the beginning of Aka War. Yes. See, basically the big deal with this is that there's never been a high lady before. When a high lord gets married or mated to another female, um, they become the lady of that court, but not the high lady. Because that represents, like, you know, they're an equal power to them. And they still kind of live in those worlds yes. where, like, they're not. Yeah. So, when she... Whenever they go back and Highburn attacks, they get these soldiers that attack Valeris from the ports, which is very concerning because Valeris is a secret. Yeah. And so, yeah. So when they go to Highburn, basically what happens is Highburn places wards around, and basically they have this guy called Jurian come in to distract them. Basically, Jurian was dead. He was killed by Amarantha. And then, as a test, Highburn brought them back, brought him back using the cauldron. And now he's Highburn's puppet. So, Jurian is distracting them. Highburn places wards around them that block their magic. And so, they can't winnow out or escape. So, they're taken. And it turns out, Tamlin, this whole time, has been working for Highburn. And he's only doing this to get, get Feyre. Yes. And so we are all mad. And by we, I mean the people reading this book. And so we're all mad. And Tamlin is like, Feyre, just come with me. And then, you know, she's like, no, Rysand is my mate. I'm staying. And he gets all mad. He's like, obviously, he did not know. And he's like, you can't be mates. You can't. You're mine. Blah, blah, blah. And so her and Rysand stage this whole scene where she has light bursting from her, and her tattoo from the bargain under the mountain, not her mating tattoo, dissolves. Gets taken off. And Tamlin thinks this represents their her. mating bond being broken between them. And so he, she acts as if she's been under Rysand's spell the whole time. Under his mind control. 
But what they don't realize, or what he doesn't realize, is that the wards around them have been broken. So all of her people that are, all of her loved ones are saved. And so they went out real quickly after she agrees to go back to the spring court with him. Pretending that she's so happy to be back with him and she hated every moment of being with Tamlin. Except Rysand. Yes. Except, in reality, she's just there to destroy his court from From the the inside. inside. Spy! Yeah. So, we leave the book there. That pretty much wraps up the book. I hope you enjoyed it. I mean, we've gone a lot, and we've gone over time by a long shot, and we were going to like discuss it a little more but seeing as we have spent so much time just summarizing it i think it's time we end it yeah okay so so farewell to all and may your week be filled with fiction